Act Five of The Way of the World by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One. Scene continues. Lady Wishfort and Foible. Out of my house out of my house thou viper thou serpent that i have fostered thou bosom traitress that i raised from nothing begone 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 go go that i took from washing of old gauze and weaving of dead hair with a bleak blue nose over a chafing dish of starved embers and dining behind a traverse rag in a shop no bigger than a bird-cage go go starve again do do Dear madame, I'll beg pardon on my knees. Away, out, out. Go set up for yourself again, do. Drive a trade, do. With your three pennyworth of small ware, flaunting upon a pack-thread under a brandy-seller's bulk, or against a dead wall by a ballad-monger. Go hang out an old frisonier gorget with a yard of yellow colbertine again. Do an old gnawed mask two rows of pins and a child's fiddle a glass necklace with the beads broken and a quilted nightcap with one ear go go drive a trade these were your commodities you treacherous trull this was the merchandise you dealt in when i took you into my house placed you next myself and made you governant of my whole family you have forgot this have you now you have feathered your nest no no dear madame do but hear me have but a moment's patience i'll confess all mr mirabel seduced me i am not the first that he has wheedled with his dissembling tongue your ladyship's own wisdom has been deluded by him then how should i a poor ignorant defend myself oh madame if you knew but what he promised me and how he assured me your ladyship should come to no damage or else the wealth of the indies should not have bribed me to conspire against so good so sweet so kind a lady as you have been to me no damage what to betray me to marry me to a cast serving man to make me a receptacle an hospital for a decayed pimp no damage oh thou frontless impudence more than a big-bellied actress pray do but hear me madam he could not marry your ladyship madame no indeed his marriage was to have been void in law for he was married to me first to secure your ladyship he could not have bedded your ladyship for if he had consummated with your ladyship he must have run the risk of the law and been put upon his clergy yes indeed i inquired of the law in that case before i would meddle or make what then i have been your property have i i have been convenient to you it seems while you were catering for mirabel i have been broker for you what have you made a passive board of me this exceeds all precedent i am brought to fine uses to become a botcher of second-hand marriages between abigails and andrews i'll couple you yes i'll base you together you and your philander i'll dukes place you as i'm a person your turtle is in custody already you shall coo in the same cage if there be constable or warrant in the parish oh that ever i was born oh that i was ever married a bride i i shall be a bridewell bride oh scene two 
Mrs. Fainall, Foible. Poor Foible, what's the matter? Oh, madame, my lady's gone for a constable. I shall be had to a justice and put to Bridewell to beat hemp. Poor Waitwell's gone to prison already. Have a good heart, Foible. Mirabel's gone to give security for him. This is all Marwood's and my husband's doing. Yes, yes, I know it, madame. She was in my lady's closet and overheard all that you said to me before dinner. She sent the letter to my lady and that missing effect. Mr. Fainall laid this plot to arrest Waitwell when he pretended to go for the papers, and in the meantime Mrs. Marwood declared all to my lady. Was there no mention made of me in the letter? My mother does not suspect my being in the Confederacy. I fancy Marwood has not told her, though she has told my husband. Yes, madame, but my lady did not see that part. We stifled the letter before she read so far. Has that mischievous devil told Mr. Fainall of your ladyship, then? Aye, all's out. My affair with Mirabel, everything discovered. This is the last day of our living together. That's my comfort. Indeed, madame, and so tis a comfort, if you knew all. He has been even with your ladyship, which I could have told you long enough since. But I love to keep peace and quietness by my good will. I had rather been friends together than set him at distance. But Mrs. Marwood and he are nearer related than ever their parents thought for. Seest thou so, Foible? Canst thou prove this? I can take my oath of it, madame. So can Mrs. Mincing. We have had many a fair word from Madame Marwood to conceal something that passed in our chamber one evening when you were at Hyde Park, and we were thought to have gone a-walking, but we went up unawares, though we were sworn to secrecy too. Madame Marwood took a book and swore us upon it, but it was but a book of poems. So long as it was not a Bible oath, we may break it with a safe conscience. This discovery is the most opportune thing I could wish. Now, mincing? Scene three to them mincing my lady would speak with mrs foiblemin mr mirable is with her he has set your spouse at liberty mrs foible and would have you hide yourself in my lady's closet till my old lady's anger is abated oh my old lady is in a perilous passion at something mr fainall has said he swears and my old lady cries there's a fearful hurricane i vow he says mim how that he'll have my lady's fortune made over to him or he'll be divorced does your lady or mirabel know that yes ma'am they have sent me to see if sir wilful be sober and to bring him to them my lady is resolved to have him i think rather than lose such a vast sum as six thousand pound oh come mrs foible i hear my old lady foible you must tell mincing that she must prepare to vouch when i call her yes yes madame oh yes ma'am i'll vouch anything for your ladyship's service be what it will scene four mrs fainall lady wishfort mrs marwood oh my dear friend how can i enumerate the benefits that i have received from your goodness to you i owe the timely discovery of the false vows of mirabel to you i owe the detection of the impostor sir roland and now you are become an intercessor with my son-in-law to save the honour of my house and compound for the frailties of my daughter well friend you are enough to reconcile me to the bad world or else i would retire to deserts and solitudes and feed harmless sheep by groves and purling streams dear marwood let us leave the world and retire by ourselves and be shepherdesses let us first dispatch the affair in hand madam 
we shall have leisure to think of retirement afterwards here is one who is concerned in the treaty oh daughter daughter is it possible thou shouldst be my child bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and as i may say another me and yet transgress the most minute particle of severe virtue is it possible you should lean aside to iniquity who have been cast in the direct mould of virtue i have not only been a mould but a pattern for you and a model for you after you were brought into the world i don't understand your ladyship not understand why have you not been naught have you not been sophisticated not understand here i am ruined to compound for your caprices and your cockledoms i must pawn my plate and my jewels and ruin my niece and all little enough i am wronged and abused and so are you tis a false accusation as false as hell as false as your friend there i or your friend's friend my false husband my friend mrs fainall your husband my friend what do you mean i know what i mean madam and so do you and so shall the world at a time convenient i am sorry to see you so passionate madam more temper would look more like innocence but i have done i am sorry my zeal to serve your ladyship and family should admit of misconstruction or make me liable to affronts you will pardon me madam if i meddle no more with an affair in which i am not personally concerned oh dear friend i am so ashamed that you should meet with such returns you ought to ask pardon on your knees ungrateful creature she deserves more from you than all your life can accomplish oh don't leave me destitute in this perplexity no stick to me my good genius i tell you madam you're abused stick to you i like a leech to suck your best blood she'll drop off when she's full madam you shan't pawn a bodkin nor part with a brass counter in composition for me i defy em all let em prove their aspersions i know my own innocence and dare stand a trial scene five lady wishfort mrs marwood why if she should be innocent if she should be wronged after all huh i don't know what to think and i promise you her education has been unexceptionable i may say it for i chiefly made it my own care to initiate her very infancy in the rudiments of virtue and to impress upon her tender years a young odium and aversion to the very sight of men ay friend she would have shrieked if she had but seen a man till she was in her teens as i'm a person tis true she was never suffered to play with a male child though but in coats nay her very babies were of the feminine gender oh she never looked a man in the face but her own father or the chaplain and him we made a shift to put upon her for a woman by the help of his long garments and his sleek face till she was going in her fifteen twas much you should be deceived so long i warrant you or she would never have borne to have been catechised by him and have heard his long lectures against singing and dancing and such debaucheries and going to filthy plays and profane music-meetings where the lewd trebles squeak nothing but bawdy and the basses roar blasphemy oh she would have swooned at the sight or name of an obscene playbook and can i think after all this that my daughter can be naught what a whore and thought it excommunication to set her foot within the door of a playhouse oh dear friend 
I can't believe it. No, no. As she says, let him prove it. Let him prove it. Prove it, madam? What? And have your name prostituted in a public court? Yours and your daughter's reputation worried at the bar by a pack of bawling lawyers? To be ushered in with an oh yes of scandal, and have your case opened by an old fumbling leecher in a coif like a man midwife? To bring your daughter's infamy to light? To be a theme for legal punsters and quibblers by the statute, and become a jest against a rule of court, where there is no precedent for a jest in any record, not even in the doomsday book? to discompose the gravity of the bench and provoke naughty interrogatories in more naughty law latin while the good judge tickled with the proceedings simpers under a grey beard and fidges off and on his cushion as if he had swallowed cantharides or sate upon cowich oh tis very hard and then to have my young revellers of the temple take notes like prentices at a conventicle and after talk it over again in commons or before drawers in an eating-house worst and worse nay this is nothing if it would end here it were well but it must after this be consigned by the shorthand writers to the public press and from thence be transferred to the hands nay into the throats and lungs of hawkers with voices more licentious than the loud flounderman's and this you must hear till you are stunned nay you must hear nothing else for some days oh tis insupportable no no dear friend make it up make it up i i i'll compound i'll give up all myself and my all my niece and her all anything everything for composition nay madam i advise nothing i only lay before you as a friend the inconveniences which perhaps you have overseen here comes mr fainall if he will be satisfied to huddle up all in silence i shall be glad you must think i would rather congratulate than condole with you Scene six. Fainall, Lady Wishfort, Mrs. Marwood. Aye, aye. I do not doubt it, dear Marwood. No, no. I do not doubt it. Well, madam, I have suffered myself to be overcome by the importunity of this lady, your friend, and am content you shall enjoy your own proper estate during life, on condition you oblige yourself never to marry, under such penalty as I think convenient. Never to marry? No more, Sir Rowlands. The next imposture may not be so timely detected. That condition, I dare answer, my lady will consent to, without difficulty. She has already but too much experienced the perfidiousness of men. Besides, madam, when we retire to our pastoral solitude, we shall bid adieu to all other thoughts. Aye, that's true. But in case of necessity, as of health, or some such emergency— Oh, if you are prescribed marriage, you shall be considered. I will only reserve to myself the power to choose for you. If your physic be wholesome, it matters not who is your apothecary. Next, my wife shall settle on me the remainder of her fortune, not made over already, and for her maintenance depend entirely on my discretion. This is most inhumanly savage, exceeding the barbarity of a Muscovite husband. I learned it from his Tsarish Majesty's retinue in a winter evening's conference over brandy and pepper amongst other secrets of matrimony and policy, as they are at present practised in the northern hemisphere. But this must be agreed unto, and that positively. Lastly, I will be endowed, in right of my wife, with that six thousand pound, which is the moiety of Mrs. Milliman's fortune in your possession, and which she has forfeited, as will appear by the last will and testament of your deceased husband, Sir Jonathan Wishfort, 
by her disobedience in contracting herself against your consent or knowledge and by refusing the offered match with sir wilful witwood which you like a careful aunt had provided for her my nephew was non-compass and could not make his addresses i come to make demands i'll hear no objections you will grant me time to consider yes while the instrument is drawing to which you must set your hand till more sufficient deeds can be perfected which i will take care shall be done with all possible speed in the meanwhile i will go for the said instrument and till my return you may balance this matter in your own discretion scene seven lady wishfort mrs marwood this insolence is beyond all precedent all parallel must i be subject to this merciless villain tis fair indeed madam that you should smart for your daughter's wantonness twas against my consent that she married this barbarian but she would have him though her year was not out ah oh, her first husband my son languish would not have carried it thus well that was my choice this is hers she is matched now with a witness i shall be mad dear friend is there no comfort for me must i live to be confiscated at this rebel rate here come two more of my egyptian plagues too scene eight to them mrs millamand sir wilful aunt your servant out caterpillar call not me aunt i know thee not i confess i have been a little in disguise as they say it's hard and i'm sorry for it what would you have i hope i committed no offence aunt and if i did i am willing to make satisfaction and what can a man say fairer if i have broke anything i'll pay for it and it cost a pound and so let that content for what's past and make no more words for what's to come to pleasure you i am willing to marry my cousin so pray let's all be friends she and i are agreed upon the matter before a witness how's this dear niece have i any comfort can this be true i am content to be a sacrifice to your repose madam and to convince you that i had no hand in the plot as you were misinformed i have laid my commands on mirabel to come in person and be a witness that i give my hand to this flower of knighthood and for the contract that passed between mirabel and me i have obliged him to make a resignation of it in your ladyship's presence he is without and waits your leave for admittance well i'll swear i am something revived at this testimony of your obedience but i cannot admit that traitor i fear i cannot fortify myself to support his appearance he is as terrible to me as a gorgon if i see him i swear i shall turn to stone petrify incessantly if you disoblige him he may resent your refusal and insist upon the contract still then tis the last time he will be offensive to you are you sure it will be the last time if i were sure of that shall i never see him again sir wilful you and he are to travel together are you not it's hard the gentleman's a civil gentleman aunt let him come in why we are sworn brothers and fellow-travellers we are to be pylades and orestes he and i he is to be my interpreter in foreign parts he has been overseas once already and with proviso that i marry my cousin will cross em once again only to bear me company sad i'll call him in and i set on't once he shall come in and see who'll hinder him goes to the door and hems this is precious fooling if twould pass but i'll know the bottom of it oh dear marwood you're not going not far madam i'll return immediately 
Scene nine. Lady Wishfort, Mrs. Millamant, Sir Wilful, Mirabel. Look up, man, I'll stand by you. This bird, and she do frown, she can't kill you. Besides, harky, she dare not frown desperately, because her face is none of her own. This heart, and she should, her forehead would wrinkle like the coat of a cream cheese. But mum for that, fellow-traveller. If a deep sense of the many injuries I have offered to so good a lady, with a sincere remorse and a hearty contrition, can but obtain the least glance of compassion, I am too happy. Ah, madam, there was a time, but let it be forgotten. I confess I have deservedly forfeited the high place I once held, of sighing at your feet. Nay, kill me not by turning from me in disdain. I come not to plead for favour. Nay, not for pardon. I am a suppliant only for pity. I am going where I never shall behold you more. How, fellow-traveller? You shall go by yourself, then. Let me be pitied first, and afterwards forgotten. I ask no more. By a lady a very reasonable request, and will cost you nothing, aunt. Come, come, forgive and forget, aunt. Why, you must, and you are a Christian. Consider, madam, in reality you could not receive much prejudice. It was an innocent device, though I confess it had a face of guiltiness. It was at most an artifice which love contrived, and errors which love produces have ever been accounted venial. At least think it is punishment enough that I have lost what in my heart I hold most dear, that to your cruel indignation I have offered up this beauty, and with her my peace and quiet, nay, all my hopes of future comfort. And he does not move me, would I may never be of a quorum and it were not as good a deed as to drink to give her to him again i would i might never take shipping aunt if you don't forgive quickly i shall melt i can tell you that my contract went no farther than a little mouth glue and that's hardly dry one doleful sigh more from my fellow-traveller and tis dissolved well nephew upon your account oh, he has a false insinuating tongue well, sir, I will stifle my just resentment at my nephew's request. I will endeavour what I can to forget, but on proviso that you resign the contract with my niece immediately. It is in writing and with papers of concern, but I have sent my servant for it, and will deliver it to you, with all acknowledgments for your transcendent goodness. Oh, he has witchcraft in his eyes and tongue. When I did not see him, I could have bribed a villain to his assassination, but his appearance rakes the embers which have so long lain smothered in my breast. Aside. Scene ten. To them, fain all, Mrs. Marwood. Your date of deliberation, madam, is expired. Here is the instrument. Are you prepared to sign? If I were prepared, I am not empowered. My niece exerts a lawful claim, having matched herself by my direction to Sir Wilful. That sham is too gross to pass on me, though tis imposed on you, madam. Sir, I have given my consent. And, sir, I have resigned my pretensions. And, sir, I assert my rights, and will maintain it in defiance of you, sir, and of your instrument. Scard, and you talk of an instrument, sir i have an old fox by my thigh shall hack your instrument of ram vellum to shreds sir it shall not be sufficient for a mittimus or a tailor's measure therefore withdraw your instrument sir or by our lady i shall draw mine hold nephew hold 
good Sir Wilful, respite your valour. Indeed. Are you provided of your guard with your single beef-eater there? But I am prepared for you, and insist upon my first proposal. You shall submit your own estate to my management, and absolutely make over my wife's to my sole use, as pursuant to the purport and tenor of this other covenant. I suppose, madam, your consent is not requisite in this case, nor, Mr. Mirabel, your resignation, nor, Sir Wilful, your right. You may draw your fox, if you please, sir, and make a bare garden flourish somewhere else, for here it will not avail. This, my lady Wishfort, must be subscribed, or your darling daughter's turned adrift, like a leaky hulk to sink or swim, as she and the current of this lewd town can agree. Is there no means, no remedy, to stop my ruin, ungrateful wretch? Dost thou not owe thy being, thy subsistence, to my daughter's fortune? I'll answer you when I have the rest of it in my possession. But that you would not accept of a remedy from my hands, I own I have not deserved you should owe any obligation to me, or else perhaps I could devise. Oh, what, what, to save me and my child from ruin, from want, I'll forgive all that's past. Nay, I'll consent to anything to come, to be delivered from this tyranny. Ay, madam, but that is too late. My reward is intercepted. You have disposed of her who only could have made me a compensation for all my services. But be it as it may, I am resolved I'll serve you. You shall not be wronged in this savage manner. How, dear Mr. Mirabel, can you be so generous at last? But it is not possible. Harky, I'll break my nephew's match. You shall have my niece yet, and all her fortune, if you can but save me from this imminent danger. Will you? I take you at your word. I ask no more. I must have leave for two criminals to appear. Ay, ay, anybody, anybody. Foible is one, and a penitent. Scene 11. To them, Mrs. Fainall, Foible, mincing. Oh, my shame! Mirabel and Lady Wishfort go to Mrs. Fainall and Foible. These corrupt things are brought hither to expose me. To Fainall. If it must all come out, why let them know it. Tis but the way of the world. That shall not urge me to relinquish or abate one tittle of my terms. No, I will insist the more. Yes, indeed, madame. I'll take my Bible oath of it. And so will I, ma'am. Oh, Marwood, Marwood, art thou false? My friend, deceive me. Hast thou been a wicked accomplice with that profligate man? Have you so much ingratitude and injustice to give credit against your friend to the aspersions of two such mercenary trolls? Mercenary, ma'am, I scorn your words. Tis true we found you and Mr. Fainall in the blue garret. By the same token, you swore us to secrecy upon Messalina's poems. Mercenary, no. If we would have been mercenary, we should have held our tongues. You would have bribed us sufficiently go you are an insignificant thing well what are you the better for this is this mr mirabel's expedient i'll be put off no longer you thing that was a wife shall smart for this i will not leave thee wherewithal to hide thy shame your body shall be naked as your reputation i despise you and defy your malice you have aspersed me wrongfully i have proved your falsehood go you and your treacherous i will not name it but starve together perish not while you are worth a groat indeed my dear madam i'll be fooled no longer ah mr mirabel this is small comfort the detection of this affair 
oh in good time your leave for the other offender and penitence to appear madam scene twelve to them wait well with a box of writings oh sir roland well rascal what your ladyship pleases i have brought the black box at last madam give it me madam you remember your promise ay dear sir where are the gentlemen at hand sir rubbing their eyes just risen from sleep s death what's this to me i'll not wait your private concerns scene thirteen to them petulant witwood how now what's the matter whose hand's out hey day what you all got together like players at the end of the last act you may remember gentlemen i once requested your hands as witnesses to a certain parchment ay i do my hand i remember petulant set his mark you wrong him his name is fairly written as shall appear you do not remember gentlemen anything of what that parchment contained undoing the box no not i i writ i read nothing very well now you shall know madam your promise i i sir upon my honour mr fainall it is now time that you should know that your lady while she was at her own disposal and before you had by your insinuations wheedled her out of a pretended settlement of the greatest part of her fortune sir pretended yes sir i say that this lady while a widow having it seems received some cautions respecting your inconstancy and tyranny of temper which from her own partial opinion and fondness of you she could never have suspected she did i say by the wholesome advice of friends and of sages learned in the laws of this land deliver this same as her act and deed to me in trust and to the uses within mentioned you may read if you please holding out the parchment though perhaps what is written on the back may serve your occasions very likely sir what's here damnation reads a deed of conveyance of the whole estate real of arabella languish widow in trust to edward mirabel confusion even so sir tis the way of the world sir of the widows of the world i suppose this deed may bear an elder date than what you have obtained from your lady perfidious fiend then thus i'll be revenged offers to run at mrs fainall hold sir now you may make your bear garden flourish somewhere else sir mirabel you shall hear of this sir be sure you shall let me pass off madam you seem to stifle your resentment you had better give it vent yes it shall have vent and to your confusion or i'll perish in the attempt scene the last lady wishfort mrs millamant mirabel mrs fainall sir wilful petulant witwood foible mincing waitwell oh daughter daughter tis plain thou hast inherited thy mother's prudence thank mr mirabel a cautious friend to whose advice all is owing well mr mirabel you have kept your promise and i must perform mine first i pardon for your sake sir rowland there and foible the next thing is to break the matter to my nephew and how to do that for that madam give yourself no trouble let me have your consent sir wilful is my friend he has had compassion upon lovers and generously engaged a volunteer in this action for our service and now designs to prosecute his travels sad aunt i have no mind to marry my cousin's a fine lady 
and the gentleman loves her and she loves him and they deserve one another my resolution is to see foreign parts i've set on't and when i'm set on't i must do't and if these two gentlemen would travel too i think they may be spared for my part i say little i think things are best off or on gad i understand nothing of the matter i'm in a maze yet like a dog in a dancing school well sir take her and with her all the joy i can give you why does not the man take me would you have me give myself to you over again ay and over and over again kisses her hand i would have you as often as possibly i can well heaven grant i love you not too well that's all my fear tart you'll have time enough to toy after you're married or if you will toy now let us have a dance in the meantime that we who are not lovers may have some other employment besides looking on with all my heart dear sir wilful what shall we do for music oh sir some that were provided for sir rowland's entertainment are yet within call a dance as i am a person i can hold out no longer i have wasted my spirits so to-day already that i am ready to sink under the fatigue and i cannot but have some fears upon me yet that my son fainall will pursue some desperate course madam disquiet not yourself on that account to my knowledge his circumstances are such he must have forced comply for my part i will contribute all that in me lies to a reunion in the meantime madam to mrs fainall let me before these witnesses restore to you this deed of trust it may be a means well managed to make you live easily together from hence let those be warned who mean to wed lest mutual falsehoods stain the bridal bed for each deceiver to his cost may find that marriage frauds too oft are paid in kind exeunt omnes end of act five epilogue spoken by mrs millamant after our epilogue this crowd dismisses i'm thinking how this play'll be pulled to pieces but pray consider ere you doom its fall how hard a thing twould be to please you all there are some critics so with spleen diseased they scarcely come inclining to be pleased and sure he must have more than mortal skill who pleases any one against his will then all bad poets we are sure are foes and how their numbers swelled the town well knows in shoals i've marked em judging in the pit though thereon no pretence for judgment fit but that they have been damned for want of wit since when they by their own offences taught set up for spies on plays and finding fault others there are whose malice we'd prevent such who watch plays with scurrilous intent to mark out who by characters are meant and though no perfect likeness they can trace yet each pretends to know the copied face these with false glosses feed their own ill nature and turn to libel what was meant a satire may such malicious fops this fortune find to think themselves alone the fools designed if any are so arrogantly vain to think they singly can support a scene and furnish fool enough to entertain for well the learned and the judicious know that satire scorns to stoop so meanly low as any one abstracted fop to show for as when painters form a matchless face they from each fair one catch some different grace and shining features in one portrait blend to which no single beauty must pretend so poets oft do in one piece expose whole belles assemblée of coquettes and beaux end of epilogue end of the way of the world 
by William Congreve.